Well, hello, Cathedral family. It is great to see everybody. Thanks so much for being here this weekend. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We're in this series called Say Something. Say Something. Say that with me. Say Something. And we're looking at the seven sayings from the cross that Jesus spoke. How those words can be game changers for our lives. Now, the first word was forgive. Last week, the word was behold. And this week, the word is thirst. Have you ever been really thirsty? I saw this one sign that read, no one's thirstier than a kid who's been told it's bedtime. Does that sound about right, parents? Thirst. They say that when you're not getting enough water, all kinds of things start to happen to your body. Your mouth gets dry. Your eyes stop producing tears. Your muscles start to cramp. As you continue to dehydrate, well, you get lightheaded. You get weak. You get confused. They say that the number one cause of fatigue during the day is a lack of hydration. Number one cause. So if you're feeling tired right now, is anybody feeling a little bit tired right now? Let's just be real. Anybody? Okay, right, right down here. You're tired right now. Well, then I've got a bottle of water for you. Because it may be that you're just a bit dehydrated. Can I give that to you, Michael? Now, it also could be that my preaching is putting him to sleep. So I have a cup of coffee for that, just in case. So, Michael, either way, you're good to go for the rest of the service. Now, now they say if uh, dehydration continues, that organs will start to shut down, that you end up in a coma. You can eventually die of dehydration. And they say it's a horrible way to die. It's like lighting your insides on fire. When it comes to thirst, that's what we meet in the word of the cross for this weekend. That Jesus has been on the cross for about six hours. The last time he had something to drink was about 18 hours before. When they first put him on the cross, they offered him a a painkiller, but he refused that. He wanted to have his full faculties as he finished the work that God had given him to do. And now as things are moving quickly toward the end, Jesus speaks about thirst. I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the reading of the words of Jesus. Everybody stand with me, please. Wherever you're at on campus, those watching online, thanks again for being here. You can see these words up on the screen. It reads this way, knowing that everything had now been finished... And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar, that sour wine that the soldiers 
would drink. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. I am thirsty. Say that with me. I am thirsty. It's interesting. This is the only time we read of Jesus speaking about his pain. When they beat up his back, he doesn't talk about his pain. When they put the crown of thorns on his head, he doesn't talk about his pain. When they nail his hands and his feet to the cross, he doesn't talk about his pain. Only when it comes to his thirst. The very first time he talks about his pain. What's so important about his thirst? And what does his thirst have to do with our thirst? I'd like to suggest this weekend, the big takeaway is this. If you're thirsty, Jesus is the thirst quencher. Jesus is the real thirst quencher. Amen? Let's give him praise. That's a good place to give him praise. Hallelujah! I'm thirsty. Say that with me. I'm thirsty. Jesus is the one who can quench your thirst. You can be seated. You can be seated. Jesus is the one who can quench your thirst. If you're thirsty this weekend, what can we learn from the word of Jesus? Well, first of all, we learn something about his identity, something about his identity. I saw this one picture of these two fingerprints online, and it read this way. It said, I've never met anyone quite like you. (laughs) And it really is something, if you look at your fingerprint, there's nobody else exactly like you. It's as if God built into our bodies a reminder that you, my friend, are one of a kind. And my wife just said amen to that. Amen. <laughs> I don't need any more Kens in the, on the planet. Well, when it comes to your fingerprint, it's such an interesting thing. I mean, that fingerprint belongs uniquely to you. We could take your fingerprint. For example, Michael, where's that bottle of water? We could take that fingerprint that's on that bottle of water and we could lift it off that bottle of water and then we could run it through our database and we could see what shows up. What shows up? (laughs) Michael, no wonder you're tired. You've been on the run. (laughs) there's something unique about the the fingerprint and I bring that up to help us get our arms around what's taking place on the cross because hundreds of years before the cross prophets in the Old Testament predicted that one day the Savior of the world will come and this is how you'll know who he is He will do certain things. He'll say certain things. Certain things will happen to him. He'll have a certain fingerprint. You'll be able to tell who he is if he matches that 
fingerprint. And why that's so important for us today is that there is a thirst for truth that we have. We want to be sure, we want to be confident that we're following the right person, that we're devoted to the right person. There have been many people in history that have shown up on the the stage of history and said they were the savior of the world. How do we know Jesus is the one? Look at the fingerprint. And his fingerprint matches. All these predictions that were made hundreds of years ago, even on the cross, every time you turn around. In the Old Testament, they predicted that Jesus would be, or the Savior would be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. And that is what happened to Jesus. The Old Testament predicted that the Savior of the world, that his hands would be pierced and his feet would be pierced. And that is what happened to Jesus. The Old Testament predicted that the Savior of the world, that his cheeks would be slapped and his beard would be plucked. That is what happened to Jesus. The Old Testament predicted that the garments of the Savior, that they would gamble for his garments, and that is what happened to Jesus. The Old Testament predicted that the Savior of the world, they would give him sour wine to drink. And we just read it a moment ago in John 19. That is what happened to Jesus. Jesus is the only one in human history to match that fingerprint. And that's how we can be sure, we can be confident. Our quench for the truth is found in Jesus. Let's give God praise. Amen. If you're thirsty for the truth, check it out. Jesus is the Savior of the world. You know, his fingerprint matches. Now, if you're a believer, I hope that will build your faith. And if you're a seeker, I hope that it'll nudge you toward faith. In fact, I'm going to invite everybody that's here on campus and those also who are watching online, you can come by Cathedral any weekend leading up to Easter. In our Bible interactive experience, at the very end of that, you can actually take your fingerprint and press it to the cross. It's a way of putting our trust in Jesus. It's a way of putting our faith in Jesus. It's a way of identifying with Jesus. I take my identity and I connect it to his identity and his victory becomes my victory. That's what we celebrate here at Christmas or at Easter season. Amen. Boy, the first thing we learn about is Jesus' identity. I thirst. Say that with me. I thirst. Now, the second thing we learn about is Jesus' humanity, his humanity. Now, this is for the purpose of science, so if everybody would get interactive with me for just a moment. How many in your life have ever been thirsty? Let me see your hands. Just about everybody. How many in your life, here's a follow-up question, that you find yourself, well, you would say, Pastor Ken, I'm a human being. Go ahead and raise your hands. We don't have any extraterrestrials in here today. 
Yeah, if you are, everybody's welcome at Cathedral of Faith. Amen. Yeah. See, being thirsty is a very human thing to experience. And when John was writing about Jesus being on the cross, one of the reasons he puts I thirst in there is because people were teaching in the first century that Jesus wasn't really a man. He was more like a ghost, like a phantom. And John said, that's not true. I walked with Jesus. I talked with Jesus. I saw Jesus on the cross. He said he was thirsty. Ghosts don't get thirsty. And it was his way of declaring to the people back then and the people today, Jesus was divinity and Jesus was humanity. Jesus was truly God and Jesus was truly human. And here, yeah, let's give God praise, amen. Jesus was both. And here's why that's so important. Jesus took on humanity so he could restore our humanity. Jesus became thirsty so he could quench our thirst. That's why it's key. Jesus once made this declaration, and I'm going to invite you, it's such a great declaration about coming to him. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Would you say that with me? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I want that to take hold of your heart. Let's say it again. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus invites you today. If you're thirsty, Well, if you're here and you'd say, just being real, Pastor Ken, I'm thirsty. I'm so thirsty for joy. Jesus says, come to me and drink. If you're thirsty for peace, Jesus says to you, come to me and drink. If you're thirsty for meaning, Jesus says, come to me and drink. If you're thirsty for freedom, Jesus says, come to me and drink. Jesus took on our humanity so he could restore our humanity. Jesus became thirsty so he could quench our thirst. That's the offer of Jesus today. And yet when I look at my life, I see so many times. It's like Tom Hanks in Castaway. You remember that movie? He's out there on the ocean, on the raft, and he's thirsty. And when you're on the raft and you're thirsty and there's all that water around you, you think to yourself, well, that's wet and it's cold and it's clear. Surely I could drink it. It only has 3% of salt in it. Surely this water would quench my thirst, but as soon as you drink it, you find out something radically different. 
that your body can't process 3% of that salt. And instead of it quenching you thirst, your thirst, it ends up leaving you more thirsty than before. And how often in trying to quench our thirst, we reach for this or we reach for that. But the more we drink, the thirstier we get. And then Jesus looks at us and he says, come to me and drink. And the water that he offers really will quench our thirst. There is a lady in the Bible who shows up one day at a well, and is she ever thirsty? Not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually, she is so thirsty. She's been married five times. Now, no one walks down the aisle and thinks, I'm going to get a divorce. When you walk down the aisle, you have dreams, you have hopes. Five times she's walked down the aisle, and every single time it's ended up in a divorce. Broken dreams. Back in that day, women could not initiate a divorce. So that means five times she's been rejected. Five times she's felt like a failure. Five times to deal with this massive hurt and pain and guilt and shame. And the guy she's with right now, they're just living together. When she goes to that well, she is so very thirsty. And she runs into Jesus. And Jesus is the living water. And when she runs, yeah, let's give him praise, amen. When she runs into the living water, Jesus says, anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life, gushing fountains of life. Friend, if you've been drinking salt water and all you've gotten is more thirsty, today is the day to take Jesus up on his offer. He is the living water. Gushing fountains of life are found in him. Amen. I thirst. Say that with me. I thirst. Well, these are powerful words from the cross. In these words we find something about Jesus' identity and we find something about his humanity. And then finally, we find something about his intensity. How intense is his thirst? There's a little clue in John 19. I want him to bring it up again so that you can see it. It says a jar of sour wine was there and so they soaked a sponge in it. They put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant. The hyssop plant. Underline that. Circle that. Because we're going to come back to that in just a moment. 
I read about this chicken and this pig that were walking down the street one day. And here they are walking down the street and they go in front of a church like ours and there's a sign advertising the sermon topic. And the sermon topic for the day was, what can we do to help the poor? The chicken thought about it and he had an idea. He said, I know what we can do. We can serve the poor bacon and eggs. (laughs) And the pig thinks about that. And he says, well, there's one problem. For you, it's only a contribution, but for me, it's total sacrifice. (laughs) When we come to the cross, it's more than a contribution. We're talking about something of total sacrifice. And one of the clues is found in this idea of the hyssop plant. Because in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were still in Egypt, they were told that the angel of death was going to pass through town. And so what they needed to do was sacrifice a lamb, take the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorstop, the doorpost, and Because of the blood of the lamb, the angel of death would pass over them and they would be saved. And guess what they used to put the blood on the doorpost? The hyssop plant. And John doesn't want us to miss that the same thing that was used back then is the same thing that is being used right now because Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Let's give him praise, amen, hallelujah. Later on, John would write, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. This is Jesus giving his life as a sacrifice total sacrifice, not a contribution. And he does it not because he has to, but because he wants to. He takes the biggest gamble of all. Beneath the cross, they say that the the soldiers were gambling for the garments of Jesus, but up on the cross was the biggest gamble of all. That Jesus is gambling, that when we see how intense His devotion is to us. How much we are loved by him that we'll return to him. We'll come back to him. What Jesus is thirsty most for, everybody lock in on this. What he is thirsty most for on the cross is he's thirsty for you. He's thirsty for me. And I got to tell you, When I read those words, it just rocks me. It just rocks me. When I think about Jesus being thirsty for me, can I thirst? Because I look at my life and I know my faults and my failures and so often I feel like sour wine. Jesus, there are better options. And yet Jesus looks at me and he looks at you and he says, I thirst for you. Come back. 
I want to have a friendship with you. I want to be your companion. I want what I really want for, what I really want, what I'm really thirsty for on the cross is I'm thirsty for you. That can be a game-changing word for you this week. I was reading that Mother Teresa, she, when she started all of her homes for the dying, she put a scripture on the wall. And if I was guessing what that scripture would be, I would guess, for God so loved the world. That's a good scripture. Or I would guess, well, what about, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. That's a good scripture too. But those aren't the ones that she put on the wall. She put the words of Jesus that we just read a moment ago. I thirst. Because that's the way she saw her mission. In caring for the dying and showing them the love of Jesus and helping them return to Jesus, she was helping to quench the thirst of Jesus. That you and I, we can be the one that helps to quench the thirst of Jesus. I was thinking maybe that's what we ought to put over our passion play. I thirst. Because that's why we do what we do. Every year we want men and women in the Silicon Valley to know that Jesus is thirsty for them. That he loves them. And he's thirsty for them, their friendship, their companionship. He wants to spend forever with them. And every year, what'll happen again this year, when a person raises their hands, there's always a story behind the hand. And I want you to hear one of those stories. It's a thirst-quenching story. As one of our longtime cast members who plays the part of Mary, listen to her talk about Jesus' thirst being quenched during the Easter presentation. Hi, my name is Josie Scott, and I play the role of Mary in our Easter production. Every year, I would invite my brother to the Easter drama, and he would always decline. One year, he finally called me and said that he would be coming to just see us. So I was so excited. I asked people to pray for him, and we were all praying. I remember sitting in the foyer and wondering where he was sitting in the sanctuary. As I entered the center aisle and walked down in, in the drama, um, the Tribune, who's the white guard, everyone knows him as that, um, pushed me so hard my headpiece flew off. So I turned around and I looked for it and grabbed it and I spotted my brother's face right there where he was sitting and he stood up and was like coming towards us like he was going to kick his butt and I said, I mouthed because he, I have a mic on and I said, no, I'm fine. So he sat down but I knew he was upset so we continued with the production and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what, what is he going to do? So I was in the choir room 
and I heard his voice say, um, "Where has anybody seen Josie Scott? Where's Josie Scott? And he came up to me, he's all, where's that guy? I'm gonna kick his butt. And he pushed you too hard. And I said, no, no, it's part of the act. It's part of the, we're trying to make it real so that people will feel like they were there and they can sense what was going on. He goes, I don't care, he pushed you so hard. Well, since that day, he, um, he was saved, his wife was saved, and all his eight children, and they've all participated in the Cathedral of Faith Easter production to this day, and as a matter of fact, he is the Tribune, the white guard, who gets to push me now. Only God can count the apples in a seed. Hey, man, isn't that great? Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah! And in fact, Anakin, where's Anakin at? Come on out here. Anakin is, is one of those kids, one of those eight kids. Here he is on the tech team. Isn't that awesome? I thirst. Say that with me. I thirst. I'm going to invite everybody to stand with me, please, wherever you're at. Stay locked in with me just for a moment, because I feel this is, is a very important time. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different. It's a little bit different. If you would say, Pastor Ken, I'm thirsty today. I recognize Jesus, his fingerprint matches. He is the Savior of the world. And today, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Or if you would say, Pastor Ken, I'm so thirsty today. I've lost my joy. I need peace in my life. I've got a decision to make. I'm thirsty for wisdom. Or if you would say, Pastor Ken, I know somebody this Easter season, they need to know Jesus. And I want to do what I can to bring them to Jesus so well, the thirst of Jesus can be quenched this Easter. Or if you've lost your thirst. I used to be on fire. But for one reason or another, I have just lost my thirst. I've lost my thirst for God. I've lost my thirst for others. Don't beat yourself up. Just bring who you are and where you're at. Bring it to Jesus. And let his thirst ignite your thirst. Amen. His grace will ignite your thirst. So here's what we're going to do. Pastor Vaughn's going to lead us. And you can do all those things right where you're at in your seat. You can do that. It's okay. God's out there as well as God being down here. But I am going to invite you because sometimes it's good to take a step of faith. Like a spiritual journey. I'm coming to the foot of the cross. And if you'd like to do that as Pastor Vaughn's leading us in worship, I invite you. Let's take a couple of moments out and bring our thirst to Jesus and meet God in this moment. If you'd like to, come on down to the front. Here I am to worship. Here I am to 
honor and glory and praise hallelujah he is the living water you are the living water today jesus thank you hallelujah 